guys, and welcome back to another episode of Food School Smarter, Stronger, Lena podcast on a mission to change the way the world eats. My name is Angela Sharina. I'm a certified nutritionist, health, nutrition, performance coach, and just someone with a lot, a lot of passion for food, nutrition, and what it can do for us, for all of us guys. You know, I'm going to share with you a little story from my childhood. I think, you know, I always think to myself, like, how as a child did I survive not eating all these foods that I know about now? Like so much fatty fish and eggs and organ meats and a lot, a lot of vegetables and beans and nutted seeds. You know, when I was a kid, I was a very picky eater. Probably most of us were, right? And I just uh, now think back and think, how did I get to be you know, quite smart. All of my grades were straight A's and I performed well at basically everything that I tried to music school, art school, uh, athletics. And then I remembered my father, for one reason or the other, he's always been a supplement fan. Whenever there would be a new supplement that would separate certain nutrients for better absorption, um, he would always buy it for us. And he's like, this is what you're taking. And I'm like, okay, you know, this is not like eating a whole bunch of broccoli. So, um, you know, I can swallow a pill, <laughs> not a big deal. Plus they would make them, you know, for kids like colorful. And so that was kind of fun. But now that I'm thinking back to myself, maybe that's why my diet that was not perfect at all uh, did not affect me that much. Yeah, there were, you know, some things that I were eating that were not great for my gut microbiome. That's why probably I developed uh, an autoimmune condition that I recently fixed with changing that. But my dad, yeah, he was a fan of supplements and he used to give them to me all the time and they did work. You know, I wasn't deficient in anything. Well, actually one thing I got to be deficient in iodine for one reason or the other. And then my parents, you know, following the doctor's advice, doctor was quite smart, uh, instead of medications for my thyroid that wasn't really uh, working that well. They, uh, the doctor recommended to my parents to give me, to feed me a lot of seaweed. And at that time, back in Russia, seaweed was disgusting, cold thing that was tasteless with a bunch of salt in cans. And we didn't know what to do with that. Like, you know, it was just, you know, something you would buy from a grocery store, um, kind of like Asian, not really... Um, native to Russian cuisine. I would eat it every day, but I hated it. And my parents had to, well, my mom actually had to check on me. So I actually eat it. But you know, um, in a month, I didn't have any problems with my thyroid. So that worked. And uh, the only thing, the only reason I, I remember that episode is because that seaweed was so disgusting. that <laughs> I cannot forget the experience. And now anytime I see seaweed salad, I'm like, yuck, you know, unless um, I'm putting a little bit of seaweed into what I'm making and I know exactly how it's made and done and I tried that seaweed, I'm not eating any seaweed salad anytime soon. But again, it helped with the issue and all the supplements, they work. And you know, sometimes people ask me, but don't foods work better? Yeah, they do. But we do have data that when people are deficient, especially chronically deficient, deficient to the point where they show 
health negative health effects when they those are visible when people develop certain health conditions when people are deficient in nutrients to that point and when you give them those nutrients those conditions go away and how we figured that out it's not like they made on purpose people sick and then they you know gave them supplement or it works no what actually would happen is people for one reason or the other were not consuming like a lot of nutrients, maybe they had an accident, something happened to their stomach, or because of some other reason, because they were in a poor region and they had only access to two foods. So they would develop those weird conditions. And we didn't know back then a lot about vitamins and minerals. You know, the first vitamin was discovered in the beginning of 20th century. But we knew that people who have a more diverse diet you know, didn't have those conditions. And then once we figured out that there are vitamins and minerals in our food, um, all those, you know, medical doctors and nutritionists, they started to give people isolated nutrients and those worked for those conditions. They corrected them, you know. Um, So we know that supplements work. And again, my father um, has been a fan of supplements uh, for many, many years now. And I'm happy that he was and that my brain developed really well. And physically, I'm also very gifted. I can endure so much. And sometimes my body and my brain, they really astound me. And nutrients matter, guys. So if you have in your surrounding growing population, kids, nephews, granddaughters, grandkids, you know, you might not always be successful at making them eat certain things. But at least get them some multivitamin. You know, there are so many fun things. Just make sure it's not a bunch of sugar uh, and it's not a bunch of crap added to that. Um, Maybe not perfect, but try to avoid those and give those supplements to the kids. When they grow up, they'll have much less problems with their health, physical and mental, because mental health is affected by our nutrition status even more, um, I would say, even though it's hard to compare, you know, what's what's more or what's less when the body and the brain, they're all connected and our mental health is tightly connected to our physical well-being. So if you have, you know, kids in your surrounding, just talk to their parents in a nice way, you know, tell them, well, that wouldn't hurt, but it might help, right? Besides that, and sharing this story that I thought about today, I talk to my parents that are back in Russia. I'm in Mexico right now almost every day. Uh, I try to make a time, even if it's, you know, five-minute uh, WhatsApp call. I try to make the time to connect, to make sure they're okay, and we have this strong connection between us. So, uh, yeah, I, I keep that connection going, and just today... Um, you know, my I was talking to my father and we got to talk about some vitamins and minerals and that's why I remembered all these stories and my health journey. Besides that, guys, I want to share with you something that you probably read in the title and you were excited to learn about. The timing of sales calls, negotiations, all kinds of meetings where the best outcome you want the best outcome. You want the person on the other side to be in good state and you want to get on their good side and you want to make sure that their brain works in a way that can comprehend complex information and that can consider different sides of the solution and that can uh, change 
the brain that can change and can adapt and can take other person's view, even though it might be different from what they believed, right? So you want people to be in that good state, in that positive state, open-minded state, ready and willing to change if there is enough evidence and um, if you have some sort of win-win situation. You want to catch people on their good time. And there is quite a good of data about that, guys. Uh, a few studies, um, the one that was really interesting was about judges and how they statistically, no doubt, no question about that, it's like a rule, statistically, they make more positive decisions, positive towards the person on the other side after lunch break. Right before that, that's the worst time. But after that, they are more lenient, they are more agreeable, they are more um, compassionate and more open to really trying to understand the other side, what could be happening there. And <clears throat> what I notice working with companies and individual entrepreneurs, a lot of times people schedule meetings at all the worst time, especially if <clears throat> a person, a CEO, for example, is on its own schedule, like, I don't know, does intermittent fasting, breakfast here, lunch there, and it's kind of like all over the place. And then he organizes the meeting that fits his schedule, but it might be right before lunch break for his team. And then he's um, not sure why everyone is so negative on, on edge, want to get it over with, and not really... Uh, cooperative and collaborative, right? But that's because you do the same thing. You catch people at the worst when they are already kind of fatigued after all the work they did in the morning. They are hungry. The brain is feeling this uh, lack of resources. Uh, blood sugar might be low. Uh, nutrient status besides blood sugar can be low too. Uh, there is this, you know, lack of energy, agitation, anxiety. Maybe your, um, your team's stomach starts growling. And then the CEO, uh, like any CEO, is curious, like, why am I always getting not such uh, positive feedback from my team? Well, maybe you scheduled at all the wrong times. So first piece of advice Try to figure out a person's or team's time when they, most of them, had lunch or maybe breakfast. That also might be a good time. And after that, schedule that meeting and meeting. See how more lenient and open-minded and positive people are. Any people. We all eat. We all humans. We all animals. After lunch, we're on our good side. I mean, unless you had really bad lunch and a lot of it and you were really sleepy and you can't really think straight. That's another story. But usually for most people, um, we still somehow manage to have pretty good lunch and feel pretty good after it, right? Another piece of advice. Not all the time morning is the best. Now, there are a lot of people who are not exactly morning people. They are more like you know, in-between people, or some people are late people, late-night people. They like to stay up later, and morning is really not their time. Um, and so they are more awake, alert, and open, and productive, and um, more collaborative after lunchtime, right? They had some, some food, and um, they're already fully awake. So probably 
after lunch, I would say is one of the safest times to organize any sort of meetings or collaborations or start doing your sales call. Um, now, if you are targeting CEOs, um, a lot of them are morning people, and so they are early up and ready to go and make their best decisions, right? If you know that about the person and you're sure, then you can schedule the call, the meeting earlier, but also try to somehow ask them, like, what's the best time for a meeting? Or maybe, um, would you like to have a meeting after breakfast or lunch? Ask them like that. Uh, what's the most convenient time? And if they tell you after breakfast or after lunch and, you know, allow them to schedule the time, and why should you be more flexible? Because it's probably in your interest to schedule the meeting on at the time that is convenient for that person and you're already getting on their good side. And then also after meal, after a little bit of, of break, they're going to be on a better side uh, than, let's say, before lunch. Also, try not to schedule any meetings at the end of the day. Anyone at the end of their day are hungry, fatigued, frustrated with a lot of experiences. Most of them probably were not that great and all that positive. Their brain has already been making decisions the whole day. So if you're trying to, again, get on the worst side of people, yeah, schedule your meetings at the end of the day. You might just get it and not what you want uh, or what you expect, right? So after lunch, that's probably the safest time. At the end of the day, not so great, especially if you have to negotiate a complex thing and have to explain something more complex to the other person. The person will not have the resources to um, understand, to analyze all that complexity at the end of their day, where, again, where their brain is probably already quite fatigued. Um, so just be aware of that and don't schedule meetings when people are hungry or tired. Right. Um, and just make sure that you understand that that's just how human biology works. When we are hungry, when we are tired, uh, when we want to be, when we are cold, when we are uncomfortable, we're not going to be that happy about any decision, especially if that decision has to be analyzed, thought through, more complex, not really in their favor, at least from the first sight. Right. So, if you have some issue like that, of you're proposing a novel, innovative solution, catch people when they're feeling good, right? After lunch, relaxed, a little bit rested, uh, a little bit more in a creative mode. That's what happens at the second part of the day for most people. So that's where you want to catch people uh, on their good side to have the decision that is more beneficial, well, more than it could have been if you caught them hungry and tired. Um, and the last thing about timing I wanted to mention is um, a lot of people like myself, um, you guys might be using caffeine to improve your mental physical performance. Um, I just wanted you to understand another thing that all of the substances that you might be taking for mental performance, they have time um, time bound effect, right? So caffeine, for example, start acting in like 20 minutes or so and the peak is going to be for the next maybe 30 minutes and then it's going to start to degrade usually um it's still going to be in your system caffeine i mean uh but the effect is not be that not going to be that pronounced so if you really want to be on 
for some event, a sales call, and you don't want to be juggling, you know, you don't want, you don't want to be consuming a lot, a lot of caffeine, um, because that can actually make you feel anxious and, uh, stressed and too, like, over the top too driven that not always good for making complex decisions. But anyhow, so if you really want to be on for some meetings, some calls, some work, then consume those substances like caffeine or maybe super direct chocolate, but like 30 minutes before that time. And that's where you get to reap all the benefits, right? Uh, I usually recommend a cup of espresso, just enough caffeine to get you there, but not over the top into uh, anxiety and stress. And that's it about timing, guys. If you have any questions about timing or anything, I don't know, cold exposure, hot exposure, uh, caffeine, chocolate, food, smoothies, uh, any sorts of foods, timing matters. Our metabolism, our cognitive capacities, they work on schedule, just like the sun does. We are creatures whose cycles um, inside and outside are governed by again, sun cycle, because that's that's how during evolution we evolved to be active during the day, to hunt, to consume food, to digest food. Even our gut microbiome has circadian rhythm and works on certain schedule. Our liver, our pancreas, all of the organs, you know, digestive organs, our brain, they all work on schedule and they work better at certain times. So when you do things, it, it is really important. And uh, if you screw up things like timing of sun exposure or timing of your food and sleep and it's all over the place, a lot of things going to be all over the place, guys. You might be struggling with brain fog, with memory, with attention, with focus, just because your time is all over the place, um, not for any other reason. And you can fix it if you're interested in your health and performance. So ask me questions, any questions about timing. And guys, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And till next time, maybe rearrange your schedule, right? Around food, around meetings, sales call to get things more favorable for you. Thank you guys. And you'll hear from me again tomorrow.